Hello listener, welcome to Switch It, where we are rolling out the green and gold carpet once again. Yes, we've known them a long time and they're always popping over to visit, even if we pretend we can't stand them. But enough about Nasha, who's back for a special <laughs> appearance on the pod this week. The Australians how are in long, town. How long were you planning that? <laughs> I mean, it's just the first thing that came to mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Aussies are in town, ready for some double bio-bubble action in T20i and ODI series at Southampton and Manchester. This was a tour pushed back by the small issue of COVID-19, but Australia aren't uh, going to miss out on a trip to the UK. No, they've been here four years running. Uh, they've come too late to experience summer, of course, but hopefully we'll have a bit more luck with the rain than we did for Pakistan's tour, which concluded a few days ago with a couple of run-filled T20s. Mohammed Hafiz providing a reminder that when life sticks a testing swab up your nose, you should always respond by hooking it for six. Speaking of old dogs, my guests today need little in the way of introduction being a pair of Crickinfo diehards. Andrew Miller is back and doubtless ready to rumble just as soon as he's had a cup of tea. And via the magic of Zoom, we are joined in our virtual studio by Andrew McGlashan, former Switch Hit host and now our POM down under. How's the, uh, how's the winter been on lockdown, Nasha? Presumably far fewer Instagrammable breakfasts. Um, yes, a few. There was a couple of months where I couldn't post a single smashed avo on, on toast from my local cafe, which was very traumatic. Uh, but um, yes, I've, I've been catching up in the last few months and things touch wood are a little bit more normal um, down here now. So hopefully that stays the way for the summer ahead and we get some sort of proper summer of cricket down here. Yeah, we're all hinging on, on Virat Kohli and his uh, impending firstborn, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> You Miller. joke, but it you joke, but it, it it's it's shaping as quite a serious issue. <laughs> Miller, you're you're not doing this from a park bench whilst trying to participate in an eight aside tournament over in Hackney today. Not today, not today. Although Ed Smith's whisperings were um, were a splendid way to break up the break up my innings because well, I think I faced four balls and got out to two of them, so it was one of those usual days for me. <laughs> uh, uh, memorable, uh, I'm sure, for all involved, uh, and a, a very good uh, photo on Twitter of you working away uh, on a park bench in your whites. Um, <laughs> let's let's get straight to it. Um, Nasha, Australia are the uh, world's number one T20 international side. You've been writing this week about their rise up the rankings. Um, tell us about what they're going to do now. They're they're over here and in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, partly that is thanks to the uh, algorithms that no one understands at the ICC, in the ICC's computer systems. But um, they have played some very good T20 cricket over the 12 months prior to the world caving in um, in March. Um, nine wins out of 11, and that would have been 10 if it hadn't rained uh, in a game here in Sydney. It does occasionally rain down here. It's it's shocking. <laughs> and, non, and none of us are very happy when it happens. Um, Sydney's had Nothing to do with your presence. <laughs> <laughs> no, clearly, I, I, I certainly don't bring. I certainly don't, don't bring doom to cricket matches, do I, Miller? <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've actually finally struck on a formula of Australia, partly by taking the format seriously. Um, probably for the first time since really the final they got to in the Caribbean, where England beat them in 2010. That's the last time where you can probably say they really sort of cracked T20 in any sort of for any sort of longevity and that was when the format was still quite new and I guess the biggest innovation then was Tim Bresner's kind of slower ball bouncer uh, that was taking the world uh, by storm or maybe Jeremy Snape's moon ball that, that came um, a, a couple of years before that but as the games evolved Australia hasn't really kept up they've put their 
onus into test cricket, one day cricket, and then domestically the, the big bash. And that hasn't transferred really consistently to international T20, but they've, they've hit on a winning formula and shot cards having your best players available. They've got Steve Smith and David Warner back at the top of the order. Aaron Finch has always been pretty steady and they've got a pace attack to match anybody, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, and then whoever you want to pick out as the third, Kane Richardson, Joss Hazelwood might come back in. Riley Meredith is young and quick and has Shane Warne's backing. So no doubt will be in the side very soon. Um, and yeah, and they're playing two spinners, which any team that's been successful in T20 really over any length of time has put a lot of onus on spinners. And Ashton Agar and Adam Zampa have slotted into that well. So it's not really a magical formula. It's just picking your best players and they've picked them consistently. Um, and it has to be said, the home summer here last year, Shrankar and Pakistan were poor opposition. In, in, in T20, but the run does include beating India and South Africa on the road, which is not insignificant. So I think there'll be a good challenge for England, and England likewise will be a good challenge for them. It's one versus two, so um, hopefully it'll be some good cricket. Um, Miller, this would, of course, been the, we, we'd be kind of like in the run up to the T20 World Cup right now, except for uh, that's been postponed. Um, and we'll na- we're now going to have World Cups in. 2021 and 2022 that will be the one in Australia that everyone would have been preparing for but I mean this sort of two-year period is is going to be sort of everyone's got to be taking T20 quite seriously if you know the Australians are doing it but um, England will be um, looking to to get their plans in place as well. Yeah very much so and they've, they've finally able to get pretty much their best T20 side out for the first time since the South Africa tour really and even there Joffre Archer obviously was injured so so he didn't take part so we're going to see Archer for the first time since the World Cup final um, which is going to be notable because um, you know I, I think he's had a bit of a subdued summer to be perfectly honest I think uh, I'm not convinced he's enjoyed uh, being part of the test team but getting back into white ball cricket T20 cricket the format in which he's really made his name in such a short space of time uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do because I think what, what, what we saw in the um the Pakistan leg was that England's um, batting is there's such riches in that top top um, you know top three essentially, but you're talking about five or six players competing for that top three. But the bowling was a little bit more frail, and I think Archer's presence, his ability to to crank it up, his ability to bowl the Yorkers at death, his ability to be whatever you require at any particular moment of a T20 game, uh, will really help to balance that side. Moeen Ali coming back to form as well will give Adil Rashid more confidence um, as, as you know part of that two spin attack that's, uh, that Nasha mentions is such, such an important part of T20 so you know this is an opportunity for England to to get some eggs in the right baskets and I think um, uh, I think Morgan was saying last week that on the one hand it's a disappointment that the uh, the tournament's been postponed because given that England were one of the few sides that's actually had regular practice this year um, being the English summer they would have had an advantage if, it, if, if uh, most of the sides in the world have been going in cold into the tournament in Australia in a couple of weeks' time. But actually, you know, given what we saw of England's rise, uh, four-year rise in, in 50-over cricket, it is actually quite useful for, for a side to actually know its best team before it gets to a major tournament. And so England are now got an extra 12 months to, to really bed down, see whether Tom Banton can crack on from a, a very promising um, breakthrough series against Pakistan to become a real challenger for that, that top two spot in his case. Um, you know, make make uh, Jason Roy sweat for his place. Make uh, you, you know Johnny Bairstow, even Joss Butler. Make them all think that they've really got to pull their best game out to get selected. Because that, frankly, is why England won the 50 of the World Cup. They had competition for places. So uh, yeah, in short, it's going to be a, an important series for them. This. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll pull some pull apart some of that role specific stuff stuff in a bit. Um, Nasha, England um, have been playing cricket um, over the past few months. Uh, you know, despite everything that's gone on, um, it's Australia... been a lifeline. It, 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 it's been a lifeline <laughs> even down here. Trust me, it's uh, it, getting value out of the older. Uh, TV subscription, I'll tell you. How, how many all-nighters have you been uh, pulling just, just uh, to get a fix? I, 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 did a, I did a couple of 3am's when England were winning those test matches sort of quite late in the evenings. I didn't actually stay up for the uh, Wopes-Butler partnership because I had had to be up early the next morning, but I, I watched quite a lot of the Windy series right through to the end of play. So, um, yes, I was, I was certainly uh, getting my money's worth. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. Eyes of eyes of the world uh, on England, um, but Australia obviously coming in um, far colder um, in that regard. What what has sort of their uh, preparation been like? They've they've obviously been over here um, a, a week or two now, and they've had some warm up games. Um, but before that, it was all it was the same as kind of um, everyone else, I suppose. You know, dealing with with lockdowns and and training in hubs. I think they're they're called hubs over over your end, are they now? <laughs> not not bubbles. Well, yes. Well, I, I think I, there's a difference between a hub and a bubble. So you, so basically, because Australia is so because Australia is so damn large, you've got to move all the t- you, you've got to move all the teams into one place because kind of basically Australia is like five or six separate countries at the moment with all the border restrictions we mm. have in. So I'm I'm not actually anyone in New South Wales isn't I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to travel anywhere outside of the state at the moment. Um, Western Australia, for example, has hard borders. They're not letting anybody in without special exemptions, which is how the winter sports codes are carrying on down here. So, for example, the AFL is coming to a conclusion in the next few weeks. They've just announced that they're... See, isn't this a great Australian history lesson you guys are getting now by having me on? Um, we, we, don't, but, we don't talk enough about this on, on the but, hey, pod anymore. <laughs> you, you, did, you didn't know the difference between a hub and a bubble, so I'm, I'm explaining it. So basically, the AFL has all been played in these states that have had lower COVID numbers. So uh, all the teams moved to Queensland, some went to Western Australia, but they've all had to move together. So that's the plan that they're looking at for the cricket season as well. So the talk at the moment is the Sheffield Shield will be played in a hub to start with in one state uh, because the quarantine restrictions each state has as well means it becomes impossible to to move around like you normally would so back to your original question after after that diversion onto Australian domestic cricket which I'm sure you'll come back to later I'm sure you have a whole section on the Sheffield Shield um, given how much we love to talk champions. we might, we might do I a separate pod the... on that <laughs> a separate recording well, hey I, I'm available um but yeah, back to your original question for the players, it's actually varied a little bit state to state. So you've had the players based in WA, for example, have basically been able to train outdoors since about May or June. Partly that's because the lockdown has been less uh, restrictive and also the climate over here, Western Australia and Queensland basically doesn't have a winter, really. It's 20 degrees and sunny most of the year round in those two places. So you've had your your likes of AJ Tige, your Mitchell Marsh, who are based in WA, for example, they've been training outdoors, Marnus Lavashane with... Uh, Queensland, um, Queensland actually, actually played a game to the rules of the hundred during their pre-season um, a, a few weeks ago, and Marnus wow. I think hit I, Marnus hit ninety, so he can clearly play any format he wants to, <laughs> even whether he, he knows the format or not. Um, so, um, but whereas, and then you've had states like New South Wales here um, and Victoria, especially, which has been back in stage four lockdown for the last month, where um, player it's been far more restrictive for players. New South Wales players so all the Australian fast bowlers basically your Starks your Cummins they've trained separately to the rest of the state squad to try and be as safe as possible 
and then the Victoria players have had to get special exemptions to train uh, three times a week on their own. So basically, Finch and Maxwell have been training together outside of the rest of the Victoria setup because of the restrictions there. And then you've got Tasmania's been pretty much okay for a while, and South Australia um, as well. So it's very much varied. So when they all got on the plane, they were probably all at different levels. Um, so the two weeks they've had, or the 10 days they've had at the Aegeus Bowl, the four games, has actually been really important for them. It's been their first middle practice since since March. Um, the Aussies played that game uh, behind closed doors at the SCG, and that was literally the day later the world shut down. Australia shut down, closed its doors, um, and there was no sport, no, no cricket since. So um, certainly some rust in the first couple of games. Justin Langer and Aaron Finch have sort of have spoken about that and some of the other players as well. Um, but I think it's also, and I guess the England players were a bit like this as well, and the West Indians, as soon as they got back into it, it was surprising how quick they picked it up. And I mean, watching the series from afar here, the quality of the cricket that, you, that has been on in the UK this summer has been remarkable, I think, really. I mean, it's kind of like even that first test of the summer that West Indies won. Um, England batted poorly, but the quality of cricket was high. I mean, Gables bowling and, and all that. And then England got into the swing of it. And Pakistan should probably have won that series, shouldn't they, as well, if it hadn't been for that one crazy session at Old Trafford. So the quality, I think, has been remarkable. And kind of, I think it's kind of shown, really, that maybe everyone puts too much talk on preparation. I mean, oh, there's a lot of Always talk, isn't that. there, these days? Well, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of talk, isn't there, about preparing... Yeah, obviously, yours for different reasons, I think, Miller. But, yes. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, it will be interesting. I think it probably helps Australia, I think, that they're starting with T20s, so the bowlers are only going to have to bowl four over spells, things like that, um, and then easing into one-dayers. Um, it might have been tough to come off five months into Test cricket, for example. Um, I know Pakistan, I think, what came off... Four months without cricket, West Indies three or four. So, um, so yeah, it will be very interesting to see how they go. Um, but I suspect that, that the batsmen especially seem to have hit the stride quite well so far in Southampton. Um, well, that's a comprehensive update. I'll be asking you for the, all the words to Waltz and Matilda next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, Miller, this is, I think, the uh, fifth Australia tour um, over here since 2015. I mean, it wouldn't be an English summer without um, the Aussies turning up. Uh, the, been two very friendly series so far. Uh, you know, a lot of goodwill to, to to West Indies and Pakistan for coming over. Um, but how long until you know it gets a, a, a bit spicy uh, for for these three uh, T20s and, and three ODIs and references to the Test and uh, and various other uh, things that went on last summer. Well, quite. I mean, what a summer it was. I mean, it it, it is it is it is quite exciting to have them over, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, it, weirdly at this time of year, usually when Australia rock up for for white ball series uh, in September, it's usually after a long Ashes summer. And basically, England can't be bothered to turn up. I remember the abject six-one defeat in two thousand nine, which was played in autumnal conditions, and England just didn't turn up. And again in twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen, Australia secured the consolation series wins in white ball cricket after losing the Ashes. Uh, so it's it's rather different this time round. A, there has been no Ashes, and B, the series the summer has been so postponed and so doubtful and all the rest that frankly no one wants it to end i mean i'd, I'd be happy to watch another another three or four series before we pack it in <laughs> frankly it's been it's been that sort of weird weird old summer let's just you know play on in, into october just as they they're doing in the in the blast final this year so so yeah i i think there's a real uh 
real excitement around this series. I mean, obviously it helps that the the, the back to back T Twenty World Cups is gives a little bit more of a focus, and even you you could argue that. The, the the one day championship that's been set up it, it it all helps to provide that 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 critical context that everyone bleats about in 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 white ball cricket, uh, but frankly where England Australia concerned you don't need context you just just need two teams to go hammer and tongs at each other and uh, I suspect they're they're gagging for it. Mark Wood was talking about it yesterday and uh, you know he 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 talked to a good game of Esther times but you know he he can't wait to stick it up him and lay a few markers he was referencing uh, uh, Mitchell Johnson's form. In the 2013, um, the one I just mentioned, obviously England England got got battered by Johnson after losing the Ashes, and you know everyone thought oh, he was he was looking a bit quick. Where was he earlier this summer? Uh, five months later, in in Brisbane, we found out where he was. He'd been he'd been storing up his fury to to deliver vengeance down under. So uh, you know there might be a bit a bit of that to go around this this uh, this coming few weeks because uh, you know the next Ashes isn't far away and. Uh, yeah, England are starting to build a, a decent side, I think, to to take down under. So they want to leave a few markers, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, there's there's never any shortage of history to fall back on, and and we're never far away from a reference to the twenty twenty one twenty two Ashes either. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, twenty eighteen, Australia came over for uh, white ball uh, um, tour, and they were. Uh, on the receiving end, should we say, Nasha? Um, it, it, this was sort of in the aftermath of uh, of, of Cape Town and and all that, and um, no Smith, no Warner. Justin Lang had only recently been appointed in the job, and this was where the the, the test, the Amazon um, Prime documentary series, sort of set out uh, the, the the journey. Uh, the, uh, we love a journey, um, and <laughs> it's. I mean, Australia have come quite a long way since then, uh, and certainly. Um, Langer, in terms of knowing the team, knowing what they want to do, and and in and in the T Twenty format, as you said, they've kind of um, got their focus. Um, or, you know, picking their best players is a, a simple tactic. But I mean, a, a lot, a lot has a lot has changed um, for Australia's white ball setup since uh, since that tour. It has um, their one day game is still reasonably behind of the pack I think they haven't quite worked that out yet and that will be interesting in a in a week or so's time when we get to the one day as quite what they do about that I know they reached the semi-finals in England last year but I think they've won two out of seven since 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 they started playing that format um again yeah I mean 2018 is actually it's one that's been referenced a few times in in the build-up sort of press conferences that, that, that have been done um, it, Langer actually used the phrase yesterday, it, it put hairs on the chests of the players that were involved um, which is a, a very a very J, it's a very JL uh, phrase um, as were a lot of the things he was saying in, 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 that, in that presser yesterday but um, and, and there aren't too many play- there's been a, a quite a big turnover obviously there was no Smith, no Warner, no Cummins Hazelwood, Stark on, on, that, on that tour and a few more that I've probably um, failed to mention but there were so someone like a Kane Richardson for example he, he spoke today and he talked about how he's he kind of learned from that um, and kind of they, they referenced that as their rock bottom actually I mean I suppose when Cameron Bancroft took sandpaper out of his pants is probably the rock <laughs> bottom but in terms of in terms of the results and coming to England the old enemy being so embarrassed as it was I mean it was 5-0 but it was a it was a, a thumping 5-0 it was as much of a 5-0 as the kind of the margins that England have suffered albeit in test cricket down in Australia and then there was the T20 to end it where the ball was flying all over the ground there so it was 6-0 on the tour 
Um, and yeah, each so they came back last summer. They they improved significantly both formats. So this is, I think they see this as quite an important marker for them on on this tour. They have made the strides in T twenty. It's one v two this series. So I think they'll be keen to see quite where they sit um, in, in that format. And yeah, and then they're looking longer term. Aaron Finch has spoken about planning for twenty twenty three, um, the, the next fifty over World Cup, um, and they're looking to I think copy England's. Um, or not copy, but following this long leading mantra that they took into that World Cup, um, kind of they've obviously had this six-month stoppage, which has kind of halted halted their planning a little bit. But I think they're looking to set some things in motion to, that they'll carry through uh, to India in in three years' time. Um, Australia's fairly settled T uh, Twenty line. We're talking about kind of Finch and Warner at the top. Um, I think Langer said yesterday that they were the two, uh, the best white ball opening pair in the world, uh, which I'm sure... And, Jason... and, 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 and Stephen Smith's the best batsman in the world. Um, and if we'd asked, probably Pat, oh no, Pat Cummins is the best bowler as well. So, um, uh, frankly, England might, might as well not turn up, to be honest. It sounds like it's, it, it's all over. But yes, he was very effusive in his praise of his own team. Yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, uh, Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy might take some issue with that, although uh, Roy's, Roy's currently injured um, and, and Bairstow uh, perhaps not in the form of his life. But... Um, they they've gone with kind of Smith with this defined role, uh, or as, as you know, as much as as they are in in T Twenty. There's always a bit of flexibility, but um, as a kind of accumulator, which is is kind of in contrast to to England's handling of uh, of Joe Root and Smith actually spoke about that I think this week. Yeah, and it's interesting with, with Smith though. I was when I was writing that piece, I was looking at uh, delving into some of the numbers, and actually he scored his runs in this successful period I think he's played nine of the matches since his ban elapsed um, he scored his runs at a better clip than David Warner he's scoring his runs 147 strike rate I think Warner's uh, 1-4-2 um, and again there was some poor bowling he faced in the two series in Australia last summer but it, it was noticeable the gears he had not that we didn't know he had them but there was a there was a thought having seen how even tempo he played in the ashes for example and a little bit in in one day cricket during the World Cup, that whether whether he was the right fit for number three, a bit like the debate England are having with Joe Root, and I think Smith certainly for the short term has put that to bed with some some of those. He was actually in one game he was in South Africa, he moved down to five because uh, they I think they put Maxwell up the order and he hit thirty off fifteen balls. So he's shown he has the gears, and I guess that's the challenge for Root. I mean, he seems to have, the scores I've seen in the blast, he seems to have been. Sticking two fingers up to Ed Smith so far with uh, with, with, with those performances, but um, Australia certainly do have Smith locked in in that number three position. Except, and it happened once in the Australian summer. If Warner and Smith put on 120 and 11 overs, you'll see Maxwell coming up to number three or something like that. So they do have a bit of flexibility there, but they definitely see Smith as the. Um, I think language you, they seem as like the safety valve if it's if it's two for one in the first over, Smith walks out. If it's 100 for none, then maybe you don't need him. And um, Miller, England have kind of moved away from uh, looking at Joe Root as that option. I suppose David Milan has made such a com- compelling case as kind of the the backup uh, for top three batsmen. But uh, yeah, as Nasha says, Root's sort of bashed a few uh, in the blast. I think uh, 64 off 40 and 65 off 
off 43. Um, but uh, Ed Smith's message sort of um, last week was no doors. He, doors are never closed uh, uh, as far as Ed Smith <laughs> concerns. He, he, he's born in a barn, my mum would say. He, but, he, he must have a very cold house in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, there is a logic to it. Though. I mean, you know, there, 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 there's um, two things that he said was, you know, firstly, the doors never close, which obviously has to be the case with a, with a player like Joe Root. But secondly, he made the point that Root is not currently in England's first eleven, and that was, you know, that's a significant thing to say because no one's quite come out and been honest about Root's status. It's always been a case; always been rested because he's been in a test series of this, that, and the other. Finally, saying that you know the game has rather moved on from Root, uh, but at the same time, it would carry on moving on from Root if he didn't have a chance to play T Twenty cricket. If he's not in the first eleven for this series, there's no point in him sitting festering in the bubble when he can get back to Yorkshire, start teeing off in the blast and actually find the form that will get him back into the reckoning. Because the other significant thing, of course, is with the with the postponement of this World T20, we've now got an India T20 um, World Cup coming up instead of an Australia one. And we all know what Root achieved in the last India World T20. I mean, he, he, was, he would almost certainly have been player of the series. He's certainly been player of the match in the final, if it hadn't been for Carlos Brathwaite. And the other, the other aspect, of course, you know, firstly, it means he, he is a great player of spin, which means, you know, you've got, to, you've got to back him as a guy you'd want to have around the squad in case it is ragging and you want to have a player who can do that holding role, as Nasha mentions uh, about Smith. But also, he, he bowls pretty good spin himself. And it, it's not impossible that, uh, that there may be a role for, for him as, 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 as one, of the, one of the two spinners in the side in, 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 in times to come. I mean, Moeen Ali shot back to form, but he's so all over the place at the moment. It's so hard to know whether he's going to be hot or not on any given day. Um, I can I can foresee a situation in in, in twelve months time when when you know Joe Root is is in the side but also playing as a spinner because um, you know he took those two key wickets in the final of the World T Twenty in Calcutta. Um, the door is never closed and why would it be? He's still got an awful lot to offer. But right at the moment, the best place for him is getting back into actually playing some format of T Twenty cricket just to remind himself how to do it. And as we've seen his results so far, they're not too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean the riches at the top of that order, uh, especially with Owen Morgan. His role is um, is fundamental to I think why England are able to move away from Root because Morgan is pre- pre- he's being so flexible and so adaptable. He's being exactly what England need at any given situation of a match. So he's you know he's he's in he's in the form of his life because he's you know he, why wouldn't he be? He's he's achieved his his life's ambition in winning the World Cup as captain. He's now just settling back and enjoying his cricket in a way that I don't think he'd enjoyed it for for years beforehand. And if he's a if he's a guy who's happy to float from four to six in the order, you know, hold up an end if 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 someone's teeing off or tee off if someone else hasn't, um, you know, there's 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 all sorts of ways that England can skin those cats in in the, in their twenty overs. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's plenty of options on the batting front. Uh, but as, as Smith says, yeah, you don't ever close the door entirely on, on a player with the quality of Root. Yeah, we've sort of touched on these issues before with selecting for, I suppose, T20 international um, sides where, you know, year, year round you, you play in little blocks. But um, it, it's rather different to most T20 tournaments, uh, franchise or, or domestic level or whatever, where where you have that concentrated uh, period of, of playing. And and certainly for England and Australia have had this as well, I think, Nasha, you've got a lot of candidates who bat 
at the top for their IPL team or their county or whatever, but then have to be squeezed in because you know they're in your best eleven T Twenty players um, or your best six bats, whatever. But you then got to squeeze them in to an international lineup. I'm thinking kind of Australia a few years ago when. You had sort of Finch, Warner, uh, Shane Watson, Usman Khawaja, um, Darcy Shorts come out recently, all, all who kind of want to open. And I think even um, Warner ended up batting four at one one World T20. Um, but Australia have now settled upon that that opening pair. Um, looking at kind of Eng- the England's um, thinking, um, which you, uh, you you all know well, Bairstow, um, and, and it looks like Joss Butler is is England's um, preferred, uh, one of England's preferred T20 openers at the moment. We'll, we'll see, obviously, in this series um, exactly how they go. But Banton, Butler uh, and Bairstow might be the, the top three. David Milan also is a candidate to play there. Jason Roy is currently injured uh, and, and Joe Root um, is, is on the fringes. Um, but, I mean, that is a real, like, Gordian knot to try and um, to, to, to tease out ahead of a tournament, albeit that kind of they've got that 12 months to do so. I mean, Milan's numbers are extraordinary, aren't they, in, in, in T20? I mean, that, that innings he played against New Zealand... Um, during the winter was 100 and something and Morgan still scolded him for not taking the bye <laughs> off the um, off the last ball you could write a whole 3,000 words on the kind of psychoanalysis of uh, of that from Morgan couldn't you um, but I mean Australia have a little bit of a it's, it's one of these good problems isn't it that selectors talk about sort of thing a bit like the root I suppose the, the, the root situation might come into that in the next year if, if he continues to, to find form but kind of um, so you had Marnus Labuschagne hit 100 in the warm-up game yesterday, he's only played 10 T20s in his whole career and, and kind of walks in and smashes 100. Um, he's not going to play probably in the series. Um, the interesting one from Australia's point of view is someone like a Marcus Stoinis, who um, has had all his success opening the batting, or not all his success, but last year, last season, scored a record 700 runs in the big bash for the Melbourne Stars. Um, bowls, bowls handily as well, is a very good fielder. Um but Langham and Finch have basically said there's no room for him at the moment because they feel he has to bat, he has to open, basically, they've said, and they're not going to split this world-best opening pair of, of, of Finch and Warner. Um, so that's a, a similar sort of thing. Like, like, Do they try and find a home for him in the middle order? Uh, do they sho- shoehorn him into a side where they don't feel he fits um, ideally? So so they've kind of moved away from doing that. So it looks as though someone like a Stoinis, despite starting this tour quite well in the warm-ups, will have to just uh, sort, sort of, Wait on the sidelines, and someone like a, someone like a Darcy Shaw not not making the tour in the best twenty-one players in Australia when it's a white ball tour with three T20s, and he's a a big uh, a big bash run machine for Hobart Hurricanes. That was quite a notable omission. I mean, he played Australia's most recent series before lockdown. He was batting middle order in one day cricket. There's an example of trying to shoehorn a player in to a role that he's probably not suited to. They wanted someone who can bowl some some left arm wrist spin. As well, but he's now not even he's not even made it into a twenty-one man squad um, for a limited overs tour. So that was quite an interesting interesting decision. So um, so yeah, kind of, and I think we'll see that possibly come to light more in the Australia's one day side. They aren't quite sure of that middle order combination yet. That's where they're sort of falling down a little bit in fifty over cricket. Um, so whereas England just keep going and going and going, and basically they have Root as their anchor in one day cricket. But beyond that, they just keep hitting. Um, 
Australia use Smith in that way as well. They've now got Marnus at four in that side. The question mark is, is that quite enough power? Who are they going to have at five? Who are they going to have at six? Carey's a, a good player. Does he quite have the power to match a, a Josh Butler type type figure in the England team? For example, Glenn Maxwell is going to be key for that. He took some time away in the summer over here um, to, to look after his mental health. He'll be back in the T20 side for sure. And I suspect to be back in the one day side as well. Um, albeit he had all the hype with him around the World Cup last summer and it had a very poor World Cup in England. So Australia really want Maxwell to fire in 50 year cricket because that would, I think, solve a lot of their issues in that team. But it's obviously not that simple. So later on in this tour, it'll be interesting to see what combinations they go with in that middle order. Yeah, I mean, uh, the middle order for England um, in T20 cricket, Miller, is is probably the the one that needs uh, most kind of uh, attention paid to it over this this period of, of build-up towards World Cups. And the question of whether they are being uh, trying to be a bit too funky with um, with moving Joss Butler up. Obviously, there's a strong argument that he's one of your best batsmen in, the, in that format, making face as many balls as possible. But he's also one of the few sort of genuine finishers England have and, and plays that role in, in the 50 over side um, looking at the players that have been kind of uh, fill, filling um, middle order berths recently in, in, in T20 I mean Sam Billings um, had a good one day series against Ireland earlier uh, this summer but uh, didn't didn't do too much in, in the Pakistan games um, Moeen Ali found a bit of form in that final match uh, you've had Lewis Gregory playing there the uh, eternal Joe Denley is, is always <laughs> in the mix but I mean are, are England kind of missing missing an obvious trick here in 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 Josh Butler could could quite easily uh, play in that that role. Yeah, when you when you when you list the names as as starkly as as they came came out there, then yes, <laughs> clearly. I mean, you know, it does feel as though they're putting an awful lot of faith in Billings at the moment to try and be the man they need to be that 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 finisher because I I don't think they trust Milan to to be a, a, anything lower than 3 which means I think Milan is the one who's going to get squeezed out of this squad and Billings will probably get the chance to, to have another go. And Sam Curran's an interesting one. I mean, particularly in light of the dumping of David Willey. I mean, I thought that was incredibly harsh to get rid of uh, a guy who scored 97 runs for once out against Ireland, got eight wickets for spit in that series, uh, played the World T20 final last time round, and obviously got cut from the World, World Cup squad as well. He seems to be the fall guy every time. But if they're going to decide that they don't want a guy with quite so many strings to his bow under the left arm angle then surely they're going to be putting a lot of faith in the other left armer with a lot of strings to his bow that they have picked which is Curran uh, he obviously hasn't had much of a look in in, in T20s yet because of his, his, his test uh, test career has been taking precedence but I get the impression that, that they probably think that, that he's he's the guy you know ability to tee off from the word go who could be that uh, going forward again he's quite young or 22 or something isn't he so he could be a guy who could grow into that that key pivoting role in in that middle order and obviously provide vital uh, overs as well. Uh, but it, it, you know, just looking at the team as it stands at the moment, it does it does sort of bump off a bit. I mean, obviously you've got Ben Stokes uh, lurking uh, to come back at some stage, which again will be interesting because you know whisper it, but I I don't think Stokes is as effective a T Twenty player as as he is a Test and ODI player. I think. Uh, yeah, he's a bit like Milan. He takes a little bit longer than than average to to get his innings up and running. Even if you know, usually he justifies it, it, it at the end. But you know, when you've got guys who are going to be flinging the bat from the word go, 
um, is there room for a guy who's going to going to block it for for an over before before teeing off? I mean, you know, splitting hairs. But these are these are the issues. I think England do need to fine tune in this extra twelve months they've got till the World Cup. Uh, but yeah, it is a bit of a bump um, from from the from the sheer ballistic gung ho-ness of that top order to you know what have I got here? Sam Curran, Tom Curran, Joffre Archer, Adil Rashid, Mark Wood, Chris Jordan. I mean, you know, all of them can fling a bat. Um, can they do it consistently and provide that depth that that is so crucial? Um, you know, in case of accidents, which England do encounter in their gung ho activities. Um, yeah, there's an, there's an awful lot that England still need to learn, and and most of it centres on 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 how they manage that that pivot from from the from the the, the dashes to the to the finishes. It's actually a, it's actually a similar issue that Australia have in there. T20 team and one that hasn't kind of been explored in this winning run because they've been winning one or two wickets down or scoring 200 for two and I think there was a period in the summer where Alex Carey batting at five didn't get a hit in five games so they've actually not been able to explore below that sort of Maxwell um, at number four role Um, and so the one game they lost in this run was in South Africa in February when uh, Warner was left stranded in the middle order messed up a run chase when they couldn't think knock off something like 40 off 30, which you should think is a gimme when you've got a guy set at the other end. And what Australia have done is they've, which has worked for them because they've had all these runs from Warner, Finch and Smith, is they've gone with five, what you'd pretty much say a specialist, out-and-out bowlers with Ashton Agar as the number seven, who is a, he's a handy bat. He's obviously scored that 90-odd in a, in a test match all those years ago. Um, so he's, he's kind of trying to provide that balance in their T20 team, which is when you're scoring runs for two or three wickets down is fine it, it looks great to have that guy there at seven but if, if it goes wrong for Australia and say they're 100 for five after 12 overs Agar coming in at seven there I'm not sure it looks quite as solid quite as stable um, and then you, and then after that you've got Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark um, Adam Zampa and another quick and a bit like Miller said about England's lower order they can all swing a bat particularly Cummins and Stark but they're probably a, a sort of a 10 off five not a a 20 off 10 type of of player which is what you probably want low in that order so that will be interesting and it'll be fascinating to see if Australia are in a bit of a pickle batting either chasing or setting in this series um how that 6-7 combo Carey Agar sort of comes together because I do think while it looks good on paper and it looks good when it's firing that could yet be a bit of Achilles heel the flip side obviously is if you've got five gun bowlers Maybe you're confident you can always defend 140, 150, and that's the other way to look at it. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see what the Aussies do about that number seven in, in the longer term as well. Yeah, I mean, this is um, perhaps sort of the crux of, of the tactical side and uh, something England will need to work out. Um, Miller, we've taken them to be a sort of a batting side, uh, looking at, I mean, Pakistan were more of a bowling side maybe um, as opposition. Nash's um, uh, piece on Australia's rise points out that they've, I think, were second in run scoring over the last kind of year or two, um, and then got the best bowling attack in that time as well. So that's that's <laughs> combining both uh, skills uh, pretty effectively. England's weakness clearly has been bowling um, it, it, over recent times, albeit that there has been some sort of chopping and changing um, and preserving players for well the 50 over format in in the run up to the world cup last year uh, and then arguably for the you know the test side this summer um but we we you know for this series we've got uh, Joffrey Archibald we've got Mark Wood back um 
and I mean, well, I suppose for Wood a chance to prove that you know he's that potential gun bowler in this format. Uh, Australia have got Stark and Cummins and, and sh- you know show what extreme pace can do, uh, and we know about Archer from the IPL uh, and so on and, and the blast with Sussex. Um, but it, it, I mean, you spoke to Wood the other day. This is this is a big series and a big opportunity, having sort of kicked his heels for uh, most of the last uh, seven or eight weeks. Yeah, and, and and he he was very honest about his his role in in T Twenty yesterday because he he admitted that when when he was in Austra- in South Africa uh, back in February, he didn't actually play very well. He took he took a week away after his successes in the Test series. Obviously, he came off that Johannesburg Test feeling like the, the best player in the world, and went home and chilled out and, and hung out, hung out with his son and uh, came back and realized he hadn't quite put the prep in and realized that you know that a little bit as he's been talking about you know needing wobble seam and all the other skills to adapt to to english conditions uh, rather than being a, an overseas specialist he found that you know just raw pace and hitting the middle of the deck wasn't going to work in the same way in t20 because you could just ramp it or, or just get any sort of bat on it and it suddenly flies for six or or four through fine leg or suddenly you're going at 12 and over and uh, you can't can't reel it back in and that's kind of what happened to him and so yeah, it's an interesting one for him. He, he, he has he has raw pace, and that is an absolute godsend for for any team. But as we've kind of seen, almost to the flip side with Joffre Archer, I mean, we, we everyone's been grumbling all summer about Joffre Archer not producing raw pace in Test cricket because actually he's also very good at hitting the seam and bowling line and length and and being a bit more versatile. And that I suppose is where where Archer in this format has a has a head start over Wood. He he does have the the skills, the adaptability, the subtlety uh, naturally built into his game that, that Wood, by definition, simply does not. Wood is not subtle. <laughs> wood, 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 wood will bang it in and go for your head and, and may rip the, the guts out of an innings, but may also go for a few. Um, but do you want him, in the, do you want him as, an, as an option in your squad? Of course you do. Anyone wants an option to, to just, just go for the juggler in any format. Sa- it sounds a bit like the role that Sean Tate used to play yes. uh, in, in, in the Australian team. In that Actually, that 2010 team, they're probably their last time they, they looked a proper, certainly on, in a global tournament, the T20 outfit in the Caribbean. They had, was it, Dirk Nana, Sean Tate, Mitchell Johnson, and they all bowled the speed of light. And some days it looked great, and in the final example, I think it was Keyswetter took to Tate before he decided to walk away from a slower ball and lost <laughs> his leg stump. But but kind of um, but kind of it was that fire and brimstone. I guess slightly less subtle approach in a way. Kind of you feel that twenty twenty has almost become a bit more nuanced now. That kind of if you are an out and out quick bowler, so a Wood um, or a Pat Cummins for Australia or something like that, it'll be Riley Meredith, the uncapped kid they brought on the tour. Be interesting to see if he gets a game and how he goes. They. The likes of Cummins and your Merediths and whatever, they all have the other option. They have a cutter, they have a slower ball, they have a very good bouncer, they they, they, they can hit a length. So a bit like what you were saying, that the piece for, for, from Wood Overnight about the wobble seam, it's kind of like, whereas it, it, it's not all about flinging it down at 95 in T20. I think that's it's probably great to have, but um, you have to have that, that variation, I think. And, and I guess that's... But that'll be interesting to see someone like a Wood develop over the next, what is it, 12 months till the World Cup. Yeah, I guess England will uh, look to the likes of sort of Tom Curran and, and Chris Jordan for um, slower balls and things like that. Uh, Miller, one of the one of the, the big weaknesses for England uh, we've talked about uh, with the ball has been lack of power play wickets. Um, I think this year they've taken 
three, uh, albeit that's only in about sort of six or or seven um, T Twenty internationals. But Moe Nally has taken two of those. Um, but I mean, and and it makes the sort of overlooking of, of David Willey all the more curious. Uh, but maybe uh, Sam Curran is uh, is that is a role for him with the new ball. Uh, with the left arm angle uh, and and looking to get some swing and and obviously we know what Archer can do uh, with a new ball too. Well, indeed, I think I think Archer's Archer's key to all of this because if Archer is going to come out and do what we know he can do in T Twenty and and be a guy for you know after four overs, you know he's done what he can do. Suddenly, either there's no runs on the board or there's a couple of wickets on the board. You, you would hope. Uh, given given his reputation, I mean, it's you know as as usual, massive expectation placed on Archer's shoulders, and uh, you know it, it's it's unfair to to do that to him. But you know he's also he's also earned the 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 that um that expectation through the 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 excellence of his performances in both on franchise circuit and obviously at the World Cup last year. So, um, but you know I can't you can't underestimate how important he is to England's bowling lineup just because of the versatility he offers. He he can be so many different types of bowler and gives an opportunity again again I'll go back to Willie I, I think it's really strange not to have Willie as, as an option because again it, it, perhaps more so in 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 one one day cricket 50 over cricket Willie was this guy who would maybe bowl six overs in innings but most of those would be at the top and you 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 know wouldn't see him at the death when you've got the depth and the options and you know looking at the lineup with maybe Curran at seven and and um you know Moeen's spin as well England do have options. England do have the ability to to have five or six or seven bowlers spreading spreading it spreading themselves reasonably thin, which means they don't have to rely on certain guys to bowl out all four overs. So, why you wouldn't trust uh, your best assets to bowl at the key moments? And and you know again, Willie's not a guy who's going to be shy when it comes to shoveling a few sixes at the end either. Um, he, he does strike me as a as a as a as a missed opportunity not to not to learn a little bit more about what what he can do because you know it's been four years since that last World T20 final and um, you know surely you would, you would imagine his game has developed rather than regressed in that time I certainly, I certainly from what little I've seen I thought he had um, but yeah beyond that uh, Mark Wood is I would imagine is more of a change bowler than a new ball bowler uh, Chris Jordan good at the death Tom Curran a little bit disappointed with him against Pakistan it didn't quite hit his length in the way in the way that he can but I genuinely think he's going to be a a massive player come the the certainly the, the the death overs in in the world t20 but yeah it's that it's that 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 initial spearheading you can't rely on mowing to claim first ball wickets uh with the new ball every time um options that's what England need and um yeah at the moment they don't seem to have them um i was just looking back at the uh the last time england and australia played in this format tw- uh, that that 2018 summer that we've touched upon England, by and large, kind of the same setup. Really, uh, Willie played that game. Um, Liam Plunkett, England, have moved on from him. Alex Hales, uh, we we probably won't be um, talking too much about his prospects uh, in the near future. But um, Nasha, the the Australia side that had Darcy Short uh, opening. I think Travis Head was in there. Obviously, this is this is when Australia were without Water and Smith. But um, Mitchell Swepson and, and Billy Stanlake. A uh, bit of bit of turnover there, and I think An- Andrew Ty or AJ Ty um, played, and he's back on on this tour as well. No, no Swepson or Stan Stanlake, but but Ty is around. No, uh, absolutely, yeah. Ty Ty's back, and has apparently or has, has spent lockdown or 
I'm, the, the last five months sort of uh, tweaking his game a bit um, apparently he, so he's worked on his action a little bit still has all the knuckleballs and, and variations that sort of he made his name for but um, he, he sort of worked on some technical things uh, during that game kind of he's actually lost his um, he's actually lost his state contract over here during during the winter so he's no longer contracted by Western Australia so he's effectively a T20 freelance cricketer now uh, playing playing for Australia he's he, he was saying he's very happy about that. It was all done on good terms, but I think he's played seven first-class games in his career and uh, WA didn't see it, wanted to invest in some sort of young red ball bowler, so he had to make way. But it'd be interesting to see whether he gets um, back in the team. He's one of, I think, seven, well, I think he's one of 15 of the squad who are heading to the IPL after this tour as well. Uh, plenty of the Aussies have got IPL deals um, uh, after this as well, so I've always, I've always been slightly underwhelmed by AJ Ty as a as a as a bolt kind of thing. I know his numbers look good, but I've just always seen him go a long way, or from memory go go a long way. Um, I'm sure that's very unfair on 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 AJ. Um, but um, when you look at the options Australia have, you've got Mitch Stark, Pat Cummins, Joss Hazelwood, um, Kane Richardson, who's been in the T20 side, and then you've got the young paceman in, in Meredith and. The left arm, the other left armer they bought, Daniel Sams, plays for Sydney Thunder in the Big Bash. He's a he's an interesting bowler. Um, he has a lot of variations like Ty, but he has the left arm angle. So what Andrew was talking about with David Willey and uh, and, and Sam Curran, um, in a sense, he, he kind of could be another option to bring some variety. He was the leading Big Bash wicket taker um, last season, um, and he can hit a long ball down the low order as well. So it'd be interesting to see whether they can squeeze him in um, for a game with an eye on the World Cups coming up uh, sort of a, a year from now but I don't think in terms of just kind of what Andrew was saying about or you guys were saying about England's power player I don't think Australia will move far away from an early hit from Mitchell Stark uh, sort of thing with that new ball It'd be interesting to see whether they go Ashton Agar to someone like Johnny Bairstow, um who has occasionally fallen to that sort of left arm spinner in the power play I know it's something that Jason Roy struggled with as well I know he won't play in the T20s but be interesting to see whether they throw Agar the ball early. He's been he's opened the bowling in a few of the warm up games in the last week, so it might be Stark and a spinner to, for the first couple of overs, and then you'll see they, they generally use Pat Cummins as much as you have middle overs in T Twenty. They see him as a real wicket taker in that middle over period, um, so they try and take a couple of early wickets and then not let it go in that middle over period. So be interesting to see what sort of combinations. Um, they go with when England's top order are just standing off and trying to find the golf course. Of course, just um, talking of left armers as well, the other name that I ought to throw in is Rhys Topley, who obviously uh, uh, was a part of that T20 squad in 2016, hasn't played since uh, in that format, but obviously made his comeback in the ODIs for another injury. Um, I mean, he's only 26. It's easy easy to forget. He's been around so long. It's easy to forget how young he is. And uh, if he can stay fit... That combination of left arm and extraordinary height um, could be a crucial asset for England in the next 12 months. But um, again, it might it might be another clue as to why they're moving on from Willie. But um, yeah, for the time being, I mean, he's just got to find his form for, for Surrey and hope he gets opportunities. But uh, you never know. He may be another name to throw in the frame in, in uh, certainly the new year and when, when England uh, resume activities. Um, but yeah, for the time being, they'll, they'll see what they can do with what they got. 
I think Nasha uh, Andrew Ty's last ODI appearance was that was the four eight one Trent Bridge game, which you know that may, maybe is why you you remember it. For, <laughs> and for, and it was for, it was actually one he was specific, he was specifically asked about it when he spoke on a on a Zoom presser before departure. Um, he, he and he he spoke very well and said, "Look, you can't hide away from these things. You've got to go back and want to to, to make amends." But yes, maybe my memory is slightly unfairly <laughs> clouded by that. Four eight one day when I don't think anyone escaped punishment. He, he's no Mick Lewis though. <laughs> not it, no. not quite, but he wasn't far off. I think he's number two to, to Mick in the. Um, I think he's second to Mick in the all time Australian worst one day analysis after that hiding in Trent Bridge uh, two years ago. Um, so yeah, we'll see how he goes this time. Not far off a of Mick Lewis is uh, yeah, <laughs> not exactly what you want on your your biography. Um, Miller, the Pakistan T20 is uh, good fun, particularly if you're a Mohammed Hafiz fan. Um, but I mean, for England, who is it? <laughs> is what we're all here for. Um, for England, kind of uh, Moeen Ali but we touched upon finding some form after a real, uh, a real uh, bad. Tr- I mean, we could run out all sorts of numbers about um, the dearth of. Uh, form, um, but basically he just looked like he'd forgotten how to bat um, in recent months and years, in fact. Um, but that, that uh, he talked about Owen Morgan's kind of captaincy. Uh, that was probably one of the big things at that and, and Tom Banton um, uh, showing some form as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Moeen is extraordinary, isn't he? I mean, I, I mean, it, his his form is 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 the most fickle thing I've ever known, and you know, <laughs> all it takes is. Is a scratchy start, a, a, a miss stumping that that no one could quite believe. You know, both both the keeper and the batsman had given up on it. It was so out, uh, and then suddenly he he starts timing sixes with 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 magical twists of the wrists and all the rest of it, and as if he's never been away. It's like it's like rolling back to Bristol twenty seventeen all over again. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, he is he's extraordinary. He he is a guy who you know such an asset to England when he's on form, but uh, when he's not on form, which uh, it has been the case pretty much for the last 18 months, uh, certainly in the build-up to the World Cup, through the World Cup, we got dropped through the ashes, etc., etc. He just looks like a looks like a little little boy lost sometimes. It, 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 it was actually quite quite traumatic watching him trudge off for another one from two balls. Um, but you know, it, 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 I, I know the guys at Crickviz have been banging on about this for years, and so why not? Let's give 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 them their moment. But you know. Moeen has has such a peerless ability at, at smacking spinners. I mean, we've already got one guy in the order in Mo, in, in Owen Morgan who's who's happy to float up and down and uh, and come in to suit the tempo. Uh, I I think there's an obvious case for for letting Moeen just just be the man to come in if if the spinners are suddenly on and a wicket falls. Go on, Mo, have you have your day because the one thing you know he still isn't much like is is people coming around the wicket and sticking it up his jumper, which is kind of how he how he got out at the end there. It's. Uh, uh, but you know, give give him a spinner to dance down the track to, and uh, and it's a different different story entirely. And again, it's just about England trying to be flexible there and 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 get the best out of the the assets they have in such a limited uh, time frame of twenty overs. And uh, he is such an asset in in certain conditions and 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 a bit of a liability in others. But you know, on on the form he showed the other day, uh, yeah, he's still very much uh, one of the first names on the team sheet. I mean, in terms of getting the best out of your assets, um, Nasha, we've got three ODIs to, to come after uh, these T20s. But I mean, do you expect it to be kind of largely the same sort of flavour, given that 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 format, um, you know, the, the the World Cup is is um, three years away, um, and a, a lot of ODI batting, particularly now, is 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 moulded on on a kind of T20 template of aggression. So, 
certainly from England's point of view, and still, <laughs> as, 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 I, as I touched on earlier, it'll be interesting to see how Australia go about it. They, they, they're, they're still, I think, slightly on the verge of the traditional being in a strong position after 30 overs and try and double your score type of thing, which which can still work. I mean, England sort of do that. The thing is, they're just normally 200 after 30 <laughs> overs, so they're on 400 in that in that case. Yeah. So um, it was something kind of touched on earlier with the kind of the top four, Warner, Finch, Smith, Labuschagne. It is very, it's very strong. Marnus Labuschagne's come in, scored a one-day 100 already in South Africa. Um, but I do, again, a bit like with their T20 team, it's going to be, it's going to be that if they go with that top four, which I'm pretty sure they will, it'll be that five, six, seven that I think is going to be key to whether they can turn those two eighties, three hundreds into three fifties. Now, as it turned out, that was all the talk leading into the World Cup a year ago, and as conditions played out, it wasn't a three fifty, four hundred World Cup. It was a, it was a two eighty, or as the final showed, a two four three, two four three um, World Cup. I don't know if I got that score right, but anyway. Um, but the scores two four one, I think. Two two four one, two four one. I I bet New Zealand were wishing they'd scored two four three. <laughs> yeah, someone. Um, <laughs> um, whether that, whether in twenty twenty three in India, you, you look at ODIs in India and you think it's going to be high scoring if the pitches are anything as flat as they they generally are. So it will be interesting to see whether Australia can consistently challenge themselves to get three fifty. Whether the conditions in Manchester at the tail end of a summer on pitches that have had. A lot of cricket uh, at Old Trafford, fantastic pitches, old, magnificent ground. I I should say, of course, being being it's always the weather's been fabulous up there as well. All summer hasn't it for you guys? It's, every every picture I've seen from Old Trafford has been blue sky and just sunshine as far as the eye can see. I mean, it, it arguably yeah. came out better than Southampton, so yeah, we'll we'll give you that one. Uh, but it, it would be interesting to see a whether Australia need to go for those upper echelons of scores, whether they can do again. Maxwell back into that middle order. Um, and then it'll be interesting combinations. Could it be, it'll be a Mitchell Marsh, Alex Carey? Does Marcus Stoinis come into the middle order mix there? Um, a lot seems, in terms of yeah, breaking that barrier of the 350, it does feel as though it revolves around um, kind of a, a Maxwell making finally making that middle order slot in one-day cricket his own. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting little narrative to watch over the three um, ODIs. Of course, it's, it's three years till the 50 of a World Cup. And as much as you can tried to set out with a plan like England's did and it, it all came together remarkably well over those four years. For England, that isn't going to happen for, for every team all the time. So the, the, there will no doubt be some bumps along the way um, and Australia may sort of... There may be a couple of players emerge. There's a few young players in domestic cricket over here. There's actually one on the tour, Josh, Josh Philippe, the spare wicketkeeper batsman, who is one they've got really big eyes on. But again, he's he's having his success in the top order. It's in that one to one to three, maybe at a push four position, and that isn't what Australia need right now in the current balance of their side. They they need that every team wants it. They need that Joss Butler figure, or they want that Joss Butler figure in in that five or six position, and that's what I think Australia are going to be looking to develop over the next two or three years. And Miller, England will just uh, be looking forward to a bit more game time before. Well, who knows? I mean, the IPL is next for some of those players, um, and then uh, then the winter, which is uh, currently a, a, bit, <laughs> a sort of a rather blank canvas. Well, indeed, there's, there's something resembling an India tour at some stage. I mean, Morgan was talking about it in quite some upbeat terms the other day, sort of saying that you know, because of the length of the India tour, it means there will be an opportunity for a lot of the guys to to get uh, a full 
whack at the big bash. So you know you got you got Morgan himself going to KKR and uh, and going to be taking Banton along with him. So you know you never, you never know what opportunities that will lead to for for the rest of the players and. You know, it's just a case of getting back to playing regular cricket. I mean, it's all very well being in a bubble and uh, and you know, tonking your mates out the nets and in, in in front of empty stands. But you know, getting back into a tournament, albeit going to be in similar, similarly uh, echoing s- scenarios, the chances to play cricket is, is is what all of these players need in 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 this in this strange bonus build up to the to the World T Twenty. So, you know, there, there's a simply by dint of being one of the few sides that has been active at the moment you would assume that you know this this has been a shop window for all of England's players in the, in the last few weeks and the, the franchises all over the place will be will be sizing up what 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 players have done and think yeah we'll have a bit of that a bit of this a bit of that and the more England players who can get out to the IPL get out to the big bash get out to the next IPL which obviously will come up pretty soon afterwards um you know, it's going to, it's going to be a smorgasbord of T20 opportunities and uh, the more the more um, that are taken um the better place the the players will be for for reacting to whatever scenarios that face them in in twelve months' time. So you know it, it is extraordinary the speed with which it's all turned around for England. That you know I still throw back to talk to KP back in the day when you know he wanted to go to the IPL. Morgan himself was going out to the IPL, and they were the kind of the renegades and you know going against the ECB and you know just just sticking two fingers up as they left. Um, but now it's all all flipped around. Uh, Andrew Strauss made the change a few years ago, saying, "No, nope, the more we play these franchise tournaments, the better we will be as an international side." And well, that's clearly come to fruition. In fifty-over cricket, uh, it'll come to fruition uh, in twenty-over cricket, given half a chance. So, um, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what the international fixtures will look like? But there, but there's certainly going to be a lot of cricket uh, playing catch-up in in the next few months, and uh, I dare say a lot of England players will be involved in it. And just imagine how good they'll be playing 100 ball cricket when that finally starts. <laughs> God, who knows? <laughs> Face that when we come to it. You, 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 had, to, you had to mention it, Nasha. Just so I was going to ask a nice question about what you were looking forward to for your summer of bubbles and hubs. Uh, presumably it's all, yeah, Virat willing, India, the India tour is the big, the big thing. Yeah, that that basically, without putting too fine a point on it, the health of the game down here is riding on <laughs> on on, Indi- on India flying in. I mean, m- much as kind of want to say, as much as England's summer has been saved by Pakistan and West Indies, Australia and Ireland coming over. Australia's kind of the, the climate down here is not quite on the edge that the UK was in terms of COVID when when that summer came together. Uh, but in terms of, I, it's, you can probably argue that actually it's hot, but there are bigger challenges down here. With putting arguably putting with the Australia season on, than there have been with the England season. That isn't to diminish at all the brilliant work that they've managed to do. But I touched on it. I think at the top of the show, you've got the size of Australia to deal with. The fact that it's it's a whole different set of quarantine and um, COVID restrictions. Whereas once the teams got into England and they could shuffle between Manchester and Southampton with the odd stop in Derby, it was it was uh, as long as no one went out the bubble and I know there was one instance where <laughs> yep. where it happened but, but one one in three months one in four months I think they've I think everyone's done pretty well to to, to stick to all that but it's a it, it was it was a very self-contained model that is the and then coming back to the hubs and bubbles thing over here that's that's why it's such a such a big challenge for the summer here pretty confident there will be a quite a, an extensive summer um in India will barring and dare we say it in 2020 barring an extraordinary turn of events um <laughs> <laughs> India 
India will be here. It still sounds like Afghanistan will be here for one test match, which um, probably fair to say that's unexpectedly surviving on the schedule. Um, and then you've got white ball cricket against India. You've also got the big bash, which is what is getting Channel 7 very twitchy at the moment about whether that's going to be the same quality that they paid for um, those couple of years ago. And then there's a, a short tour by New Zealand in January and the women playing as well. They start the summer in, in three weeks' time out here with a series against... New Zealand so touch wood it will be a full summer but it's going to be a hugely expensive one um, and it's going to be a bit like you guys have just had a, a very uh, a unique experience I think and I'm not sure how much I'll actually get to see because they're slightly reluctant they're slightly reluctant to bring cricket to New South Wales at the moment because our Covid numbers are just sort of bubbling away tiny numbers compared to what you guys have generally been having but we're sort of bubbling away and Queensland and WA have basically been much lower, so I think they're going to get quite a lot of the cricket this summer, so it may be all on TV for me. Well, uh, plenty more to come, and uh, that's uh, probably enough for today as well. Um, Everybody needs good neighbours, so we appreciate the Aussies (laughs) rocking up again. Um, Presumably they won't be making a documentary about a drawn series this time. Special thanks to Nasha for putting his evening drinking on hold to be with us. We'll be back for more at the end of the series, uh, but you can keep up to date on the website as always. This has been another episode of the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. Mm-hmm.